We're here with Creating Confident Communication, and today we have an extraordinary guest, Sarah Foley. She has been featured with Mel Robbins and Tony Robbins. She's a speaking coach. She has a phenomenal message, and honestly, Sarah, I am just so honored to have you be here today. This is so cool. How are you? Thank you so much, Talia. It's been fabulous getting to be know you and getting to be part of your world. So thank you for this introduction. Oh my gosh. Well, some people may not know a lot about you and how amazing you are. And I had been following you and I've had the opportunity to hear you speak a little bit and be able to learn from you. So I'm just excited for you to share your message. For those that don't know who Sarah is, you get to hear this amazing, just about who you are. Will you open up and share with us? Yes, absolutely. It's always a fun, loaded question of where do we start, right? There's so many ways we could take this. Um, but I will say that, you know, my entire life, I always had that inner nudge that I was going to have this really big life. I didn't know what it was going to look like. All growing up, I thought that went moved to LA and become an actress and that whole bit. Um, and little did I know that life would it was going to tee me up, but in ways that I didn't really anticipate to be good ways. And um, back in 2012, I was on a four-wheeler and ended up hitting a ditch, flipping over, and it paralyzed me from the waist down. And that experience of identity crushing, <laughs> I call it, was the catalyst. It completely cracked me open. And in the, in the time that it was happening, it felt very much soul crushing because, you know, I had a, a, a background in television. I'd worked in the spa industry. I was always, always pretty successful, whatever I set out to do. Um, but if I'm looking back, I was playing it pretty safe too, but life was, life was good. Life was never really bad or super hard. And then this accident happened and it really opened up this total and crazy and beautiful and scary healing journey. And life would ended up, it took me to Maui. It took me to all these really cool places. And the experience of really getting to know who I was and strip away the parts that I was just playing for other people and to get to know who, who Sarah was at her core and I got really, really involved with this therapy. It's called IFS therapy, internal family system. Sometimes they call it parts work. Uh, Gabby Bernstein actually just wrote a really good book about it called Happy Days. And I really got to know the different parts of myself and the different parts that were either putting on the mask for other people, the parts that were really wounded, the parts that were really hurting, the parts I trapped away for a lot of years the parts that really wanted to dream, the parts that wanted to pursue those dreams. And I got to just know myself. And after about five or six years of healing, people started to ask me to share about it and to share about the accident and share what I'd learned. And they were starting to see me really joyful and happy and healthy and all these things I discovered along that journey. And, uh, and it's led me where I am now, which is I get to speak on different stages. I get to help other people extract their own stories. And it's, you know, I just put a post up yes, uh, last night about how it's beautiful. How everything sets us up for this moment. And sometimes this moment can be hard. Sometimes it can be, be beautiful, but we needed all those moments before for this. And then we're going to need this for something else. And I just think it's really cool when we can kind of back up 
and get that aerial view of our lives. Oh, I just love that. So remind me, how old were you when you had the accident? I didn't hear that. I just turned 30. I just, and I was on a high for life. Like I, it was my dirty 30 year. I was, I was newly dating a guy. I'd just been promoted to this great position. I was running a spot in Park City. Um, Life was just really good. I never made so much money in my life. Like life was really good. And um, in fact, that morning of the accident, um, my boyfriend and I, Sean, we'd gone on this hike and we were standing out Southern Utah, Brian Head. And I looked out and I just looked at him. I said, oh my gosh, my life's perfect. There's nothing I'd change. And I never walked down the mountain. I literally was life lighted off. And everything that I thought was perfect felt like it was completely over. And uh, it was it was really hard. It was really hard to see everything just taken away so quickly. Well, and... You know, thank you for being so open. I mean, because we see you now thriving and, you know, some of us, when we're in that thick and in the pain of whatever trial or whatever, it, it, it sometimes it's hard to look about how to get out of it and being there, you know, in that, in those discouraging times and where you were, what would you say were the key points to help you kind of get out and get back? Yeah. You know, the biggest one was actually forgiveness. And might sound cliche, I don't know, but I really, really blamed uh, my boyfriend, Sean. I blamed him really, really bad. And I wouldn't say it out loud, but in my head, I, I hated him. But I needed something or someone to hate. Like I needed somewhere to put all that energy And, um, so the way that the accident happened, we all got on four wheelers. I was pretty inexperienced, but all that our group of friends that we were with, um, everyone was pretty experienced. And Sean just kept promising me, he says, I'm going to keep you safe. I've got a helmet for you. I'm going to make sure the trails are safe. Like this is not a crazy drive. We're just going to go look at the leaves changing really easy drive. And at one point the, the trail we were on kind of went up and around this, this bend of the road, we were on like a big dirt road. And um, the guys went on up ahead to make sure it was safe. And the other guy was shouting kind of from the top of the hill a few minutes later. And he said, come on up, you're good. And what we didn't know was that Sean was coming down the hill to come get me and the other girl to let us know that we were safe to come up. And so when I went up first, came around the bend, I was going full speed ahead towards Sean. And in my panic, I didn't know what to do. So I jerked the handlebars, hit a ditch and went flipping. And he had gotten so far over to the other side of the road that I would have just been fine to keep going straight and it wouldn't, everything would have been okay. But I needed something to blame. And when I look back, I'm like, he did everything in his power to keep me safe. So I, uh, I got to know this, uh, forgiveness exercise. You may have heard of it. It's called Ho'oponopono. Love it. And, oh, it's so It's healing. amazing to hear this is what you use for your forgiveness and your healing. So talk about that for those that don't know. Yes. So, so Ho'oponopono is, it's four lines. It's, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And I had actually learned about it there in Maui um, from, from locals. I had heard about this practice and started to kind of implement it, started to kind of play with a little bit. But then I went to a Tony Robbins event and he was guiding the entire audience through it. 
And I had my eyes closed and I was doing it and I was thinking about Sean and I just saw him so in so much pain and in so much pain. And I came home and that was like the first thing I did to him face to face. And I just said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. And it still chokes me up. And I just held him so tight. And he was just, he wasn't getting it at first. Like he hadn't heard about it. He didn't like, what are you doing? You know, kind of weirded it out a little bit. And I just kept repeating, kept repeating until he literally just collapsed in my arms. And he just said, you had no idea how much I needed to hear that. And that release was so pivotal because it was finally like, okay, we can, we can forgive, we can release that. But now I have to start taking full ownership and get out of denial and basically stop being a victim to this circumstance. I can't change it. And, and I, everyone kept talking about acceptance and I always thought that acceptance meant that I was going to like my circumstances. Mm -hmm. Acceptance for me anyways, it means that I just accept right now as the starting point instead of the past. Because I think we try to go back to the past and start there, but we can't change that. We got to start from where we are today. And so I started to just take that ownership. And again, with my, my therapist and I was going to support groups, I started to dance again, like just starting to get back into my body and my soul. And, and, and that forgiveness was such a release. It opened up so much, but it also, it embarked the scary stuff because now I had to face it because I had no one else to blame. Right. I, I couldn't throw all that anger anywhere else. So it was, it was really powerful. So for me, forgiveness, acceptance, and I always say, own your story or your story will own you. And powerful. Yeah. Cause that story does. And it did for a long time. I was in that denial and anger for about four years, solid four years. And I would do this though. I'd be like, everything's great. We're so good. You know, my voice is like super you know, because I don't believe my own words. And when you actually own your story, you say, I'm I'm taking control of this and I'm going to decide what I do with this. I'm going to decide to heal. And, and we can't find healing until we are the ones that take ownership of that. You know, that's all the words you said are beautiful. I did hear you say one thing and I'm just curious. I, were you ever worried about getting in an accident? Cause you had mentioned that he was really, really cautious. Like I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to keep you safe. And were you ever scared of accidents or anything like that? Were you nervous? No. So that wasn't the issue. He no. just wanted to keep you safe at all costs. Just, yeah. And that's very much Sean's nature. He wants to make sure everyone's okay. He's like, a, he's one of those guys that makes sure everyone's good. You know, you go out to dinner, he, everyone's making sure he's, you know, everyone's taken care of. He's that kind of guy. And it was just more of like, he knew that I was inexperienced and he'd grown up on them. He'd seen accidents before. He just wanted to ensure that he was doing everything he was meant to do. And for me, I, that was the thing I loved about Sean. I could be scared, but I could also feel safe at the same time when I was with him. It was always an adventure. And I think that's what I really loved. But we'd only been dating about six months. We were still very fresh. Um, I always like to joke, like, we were still perfect to each other. <laughs> you know? That fresh, right? Yes. Yeah. We were there. 
And, um, but we got thrown into this and then everyone waited around to say, is he going to stay? Is it going to go? Like what is going to happen? And he stuck around. He's very much by my side. Um, really funny stories of the hospital and days with, with Sean. And I mean, talk about making sure everyone's okay. He, he found out the room that they put me in and he was not having it. And so he's a salesman. And so he went to the powers that be and he got me into the room where they reserved for the presidents. Oh, wow. And so the entire hospital staff thought that I was some celebrity that they didn't know about. So they're like, who is this girl? I had this like massive hospital room and it was, it was pretty comical. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was never worried at all, but I think afterwards is when the worry really kicks in. And we talk about this now of, he said, I could never be that guy. I could never leave you. And, and I said, well, I couldn't leave you because no one was going to love me again. I was damaged. I was broken. I wasn't, I mean, in my eyes, I wasn't attractive or desirable or I had nothing to bring to the table. I was burdened. All these things that I've now since worked through, but they were pretty dark. And so we ended up getting married on the anniversary accident of the day, uh, two, two years later. And, and we've actually now since parted ways. He's my son's father. We have a most beautiful relationship. He's my probably my best friend. He's the one I usually call right before I go on stage and speak. And, and at the same time, you know, that forgiveness and that ownership, it allowed us to no longer do things out of obligation, but for what we were meant to do. And I think that that's what became really clear of, you know, I think that we really, we both felt very much obligated. You know, that's such a beautiful story. And thank you for sharing all of it. Um, I think we all handle grief and these things differently. I really do. I think the way like as a spouse and as a, you know, he maybe had so much guilt around this and you were trying to work through like, where do I put the grief of this? So I'm going to blame because this is just all part of the cycle of how we, how we grieve through things. Right. Um, but what I love about what you shared was you, you were able to have that time to grieve, to experience, to come to a space, to want to have that healing. And I love that you were like learned it in Hawaii because it's like that Hawaiian practice, you know, but um, I think for some of us who are struggling with forgiveness, because I know even personally, I've been working through some things. um, What would you say? Where would you say to start to find it in your heart to be open? Because some of us to just want to jump right in and get to that space of forgiveness is it's difficult. It it is very very difficult, and what I love about how they describe ho'oponopono is it's a practice. It must be practiced. It must be done on repetition, and then there is that moment where you almost melt, just like Sean did in my arms. There, he didn't get it at first. I had to keep. I I really even like pressed my heart into his. I had to make sure he felt it, and I didn't really feel it at first. I needed to continue to practice it. And what I do really love, and I like to make this distinction because often people will, trust me, I've spoken to some of the hardest groups and heard some very deep pain. Um, I actually spoke to this group of, of women who had all been 
either sexually, physically, or emotionally abused um, as children and some by their own fathers. And to go in and have this practice with them, they're like, I was innocent. Why do I need to forgive? Like, I mean, just all the, there's a lot there. And so I get it. I get that it is hard at first. And what I do love is this distinction is that the words themselves are about owning our part of the experience and how we have treated them because of our experience. Mm. It's not even so much about them. It's about us. And so when I say, I love you, it's, I love you for the person you are. I may not know everything. I may, you may have your own wounds and, and I'm sure you do because you're human, right? And whatever has gotten you to hear, I love you for the human that you are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how I've treated you because of how I've seen you. So it's not even, I'm sorry for what I've done. It's, I'm sorry for how I've treated you. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for how I have treated you because of how I've seen you. And thank you. Thank you for what you've offered me. Thank you for how you've shown up. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for this experience. All of that is ownership. And almost when I'm hearing you say it, it's almost freeing to you or to that person that's. 100%. That's so beautiful. Well, so moving forward in what you're sharing and doing, I mean, today on this podcast, as we speak about creating confident communication, you rose up into this woman that you are. You claimed, I mean, because I heard you even say, yes, my story is about the accident, but tell me what you said, like right before we jumped on. It's not really like (laughs) what you were saying. Well, I don't think it's the most exciting. Well, I mean, it is an exciting thing, and but I don't think it's the most interesting thing. And this is what I I had made a vow to myself because for a while there, I would get up on stage and I would just regurgitate the accident. I knew the parts people would cry. I knew the parts people would gasp. Like I knew all the parts. And, and that became the most exciting thing I was sharing on stage. But it also became this war story, you know, like the story from the war. And then nothing great has happened in their life afterwards. And I saw this a lot and I still see this a lot with disability. They get into an accident or an illness, and it becomes the most exciting thing about them, the most interesting thing about them. And they tell that story over and over, and it becomes what gets them love, attention, all the things that we seek. Yep. And I made a vow, that is not going to be the most exciting thing. In fact, I'm going to see if I can make it the least exciting thing about me. Yes. And so that's, I feel like has made life really fun. Um, And so as I've gotten on stage and I really dove into personal development and growth and healing. And trust me, there's a lot of things other than the accident I needed healing with and and freedom from and all these things. And so being able to use my accident as almost a, a metaphor for whatever that is disabling them in their life, and then they get to find these ways to take ownership of it. Forgiveness being a big one, acceptance being a big one. Um, I talk a lot about Kuliana. Kuliana, I love, I love all the Hawaiian traditions. Their words, their culture is just so beautiful. But that's Kuliana, I have never heard. Oh, it's fabulous. You'll you're gonna die. Okay. I'll have to Kuliana read is our responsibility in this life. It is, and it's a deeper than like take your garbage out. It is you have a God-given responsibility 
to use your talents, skills, traumas, triumphs, everything to your greatest advantage for yourself first, then others, then the world. Meaning I cannot get up on stage and talk about healing and you doing your work before I do mine. Wow. Do it for me me first. How do you even spell that? It is amazing. Yeah, it's K-U-L-E-A-N-A. Juliana. Well, it's interesting because just before we were talking, I was telling you how I had this, you know, I've had these challenges when it, with infertility. I ended up with this beautiful baby on my 20-year anniversary. And where was our anniversary? It was in Hawaii. And so I didn't tell you that. And so I we ended up naming her this Hawaiian name, which meant Kalia, Kalia, K-A-L. IYA, and it means a gift from God. Because when you're 40 and 43 and you've got a 16 year old that's really hard, and you're like, okay, what am I going to do? And you have this miracle baby, and she's been truly nothing more than a gift from God. And so I love all these beautiful Hawaiian, um, just the energy of all of it. So this is beautiful what you teach. I just, I love that. Sorry, I had to, I had to share that with you. (laughs) I love that so much. And it brings up something interesting as well. You know, when I was very, very new in my personal development, literally the only thing I kind of knew at that point was my words had power. And that was because I kept seeing myself as disabled and therefore I was almost becoming more and more disabled. And I came up with, I was like, I'm just going to call myself something different. And I wanted to start a little blog when I was in Maui and, um, and I was like, okay, it it can't be Sarah. It's got to be something really powerful and it you know I was like soaring goddess and running something and uh-huh. you know it's always like words with walking in them or movement and and I came up with this name vertical blonde and vertical blonde ended up becoming I call her my iconic identity she truly is me in that kuleana she is me at my fullest potential she is me when no holds barred like she is she is fulfilling that responsibility And our words truly do have power. And every time I would call myself vertical blonde, it was like, I sat up a little taller. My voice dropped deeper into my body. I got more sure of myself. I got more confident in myself. I, everything about me shifted. And so anyone that I coach, the first thing we do is we come up with their iconic identity. What does it represent? What is the name? And then it's interesting what happens when you refer to them in that name. They sit up a little taller, their voice drops into their body. And so I don't doubt that that has a little something to do with your gift from God. Oh, I love that. Gift from God. Gosh, I want to work with you more and figure out a cool name for me. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it's, it. It's so fun. Well, let's start. What, what do you feel like this name would represent for you? What is your Kuliana? Um just a woman to step into power. It's so interesting as I've, um, I've, I've done these podcasts and I've worked with such incredible, influential, high profile people. I feel almost like guilty to say this, but there's times that I just like, I resonate with, with our energy. Like I feel that within myself. And ever since I was a little girl, I had that same big, scary goal that was like, I was going to do something big, really big. And I had no idea that, you know, gaining and losing 80 pounds five times and feeling so not confident and shrinking and hiding. And then, you know, miscarrying my babies just brought me to a place of feeling worth nothing. But then it's been able to be my greatest message to share with people 
that we can overcome and do anything, whether it's because when I met you in person, you know, I didn't see, I didn't see you in the wheelchair. I saw the bright light, like you said, the vertical blonde, this strong energy living in her power. And it was like, I want to know you. Like it just meeting you in person, it was like I resonated with that energy, that powerful strength of a woman. I don't know. That's a lot, but that's that's how I want to show up and shine. And to love myself regardless of what circumstance, no matter what the scale says, no matter what trial we have, that I can still be connected and love who I am and what I have to offer. Mm, so rich, so rich. And if I were to ask you, what are some of the names that come through as you're still in that energy? What are some of the first things that come up? Well, you're going to laugh because, you know... um, so we were talking about this. I had another gal in a podcast that was amazing. And she was talking about like the negative voices in our head that come to our mind. And she's like, I like to call it out. When when she starts nagging about how I'm not enough and I'm worthless, like I give the negative name. But the name that came to my mind was like that Queen Talifa or Queen, what was her name? Queen Latifa. And then I was going to nickname the wicked one Talifa. Like, hey, back up. You know, you are, <laughs> you're not welcome here because when you hear all that, you're not enough. You're not good enough. But for some reason, it was kind of like that That thought came to my mind. I feel like a dork saying it out loud, but like that Queen Latifah, just someone resonating as this queen in her power and energy. I don't know. That, I mean, now you're... You, it's, it's fabulous. There is no right or wrong. That's the coolest part about this whole exercise is that it doesn't have to mean anything to me. It only has to mean something to you. That when I say Queen Latifah... What, how is she going to show up to this experience that you sit up taller, that your, your whole energy brightens? That's the whole, whole goal of it. Yeah. So, so I remember even a show where it's like, she was strong and she was bold and courageous. And I mean, let's think about it. Queen Latifah, like she was bigger, but bold and beautiful. And, and I just think it's not about the image or how thin we are, or what we are. It's who we are in the inside and what we portray and what we give. I think of even Oprah and her power and all these beautiful, like you say, iconic, wonderful women that show up in their power of connection and love. And I think my biggest thing is just letting that light shine through so people can feel that from me. Mm, I love it so much. Well, the, your homework is to play with that name. Okay. And sometimes it'll it'll kind of evolve, right? It might, it might evolve to like Queen T or, I mean, there's so many ah. things play with, but playing with it and, and see what happens to your body, to your physiology, to your voice. Our voice is really telling of our confidence level of our conviction in something the octave where it's coming from. You can hear people's voices are up in their thoughts and you're like, believe a word you're saying. And then you hear someone, you're like, Whoa, your voice is like in your gut. It's in your belly that's where that conviction lies. And so see, just play with it. And I, I played around with name for about six weeks until I came up with vertical blonde and all of a sudden it just came through and I said, there she is. And then it becomes a true North because whenever you're in a mode of decision or even what to do next or what to eat next or who to call next or what to do with your free time, you say, what would vertical blonde do? Oh, I like that. Queen Latifah do. Because it's going to give you a very different answer than the part of you that's unsure or not so confident in it. 
I kind of like the queen tea because it just kind of represents like who that powerful woman was, but like, that's who I am, you know? Um, I love this. Okay. It's funny. I've been kind of fighting off a cold anyway. So my voice went up a little squeaky, but even being in a vulnerable space, like when you started to have me dive in and knowing like everyone can hear this, I wanted to kind of shrink for a minute and be like, uh, you know, do I really say, but this is for all the women and men out there who want to step into the power of who they are, who want to be able to create that confident communication, even within themselves, because it starts with believing who we are on the inside and claiming it as you claim the vertical blonde. And as I step into really feeling like I'm that queen, right? And that I have just as much to offer, but then letting go of all those false thoughts that try to creep in and tell us that we're not enough. Because I'm assuming you probably had that happen as you were working on that journey. And oh, yeah. how do you for that real quick? Well, we'll so we can give them tips on how to do that. 100%. Well, I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins. I mean, I just, I feel like he's, he's really nails it on a lot of, a lot of fronts and his literally vertical blonde is the way I bash those negative thoughts. It is the way through, but it also has to be followed up with the action. And I always like to say that confidence is an action word. It is in the follow through. I need vertical blonde in order to take the action. That's where my courage comes from. But the confidence is coming from the doing. And it could even just be simply moving those old thoughts away and stepping into different thoughts and changing the perspective and and shifting it. And so I think that it's really important to, to absolutely call it out that for me, it always came back to, you know, my body. And I felt like when I would close my eyes, I didn't see myself in the same way I saw myself in the mirror. And so that was really hard. And it was because I had a very different belief of what I thought disability was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And so typically those, those thoughts and those negative thoughts are coming from that old story about the circumstance, not the circumstance themselves. Because the circumstances don't have a meaning until we give it a meaning. And we're giving it meanings left and right just based on what we've seen. We see disability in media or someone going down the road or like we see it around us and it's not very pretty on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. It's typically less attractive. They don't take as good care of themselves. They aren't as healthy. They don't have as much money on a general sense. Obviously there's exceptions to every rule, but that's what I saw. And I was like, well, if I can't change the disability, I'm destined for that. And that's why I was saying that I started to get more and more disabled mm-hmm. until I said, what if I love what if I did this differently? Mm-hmm. I love playing. I call it the what if game. And I just kind of let my imagine go, imagination go. What if? What? If I just did it a little different. What if I actually said the thing I wanted to say? What if I actually showed up the way I really wanted to show up, which was getting dressed up, putting high heels on? What if I actually went into the gym, even though I'm scared to death because I don't want people to look at me or be some inspiration just for showing up? What if I just did it? And that I feel like always gets the loop. It kind of breaks that negative loop and it gets you into something different and it gets a smile on your face. You kind of get a little giddy about it. And then of course, you got to follow through with some action, but at least your direction has changed. Oh, I absolutely love that. And I love the question, what if? Because it gets your mind thinking. And every time I've seen you, nails are beautiful. 
hair, you know, it looks like you take care of yourself from the inside out. Like I just, I think I love what you're doing. I mean, and, and like you said, it's the, not the most interesting thing because it is a part of you, but it's not like, that's not who you are. Who you are is this beautiful vertical blonde who's showing up in confidence, communicating her message and empowering others to do the same. So tell us a little bit about how you help others get out and speak. And we would love, we'll, we'll put some things down in the posts of how we could, um, you know, be able to follow you and learn more from you. But we'd love to hear how you get other people out speaking and sharing. I'd love to hear this. Thank you. Well, it was it was in my gut for a while. It was just that little, that little voice in there that just keeps you know, poking at you. And like I said, I had a, a background all my 20s. I was working in television in Palm Springs and um, and then now starting to speak and share my story. And I was really starting to gain some momentum, starting to really learn the ropes. I was diving in. I was learning everything I could. I was taking all kinds of trainings. I was, I mean, I would stay up so late watching YouTube of other speakers and dissecting and just getting, like really pouring myself into being a really good speaker myself. And I I came up with a couple things that really have helped me. One is that my energy was my currency. Like how I showed up in the world was literally how I was transacting with it. And how I showed up was in direct relation to the results I was getting, whether it was on stage, whether it was when I was networking, but I was getting different results, but my energy was also vastly different than a lot of other people's. And so I was very open and I was very engaged and I was, I would square off with people. People don't like, we don't take that, all that stuff into consideration, but the next time you literally are meeting someone for the first time, if you can square off your shoulders to them and literally like zero in almost like a laser into their eyes, into who they are and cut off everything else going on around you. There will be such a different connection. They will feel so seen. You will have made a new connection. And there's something really powerful in that. And so when we show up in that way, I was just noticing that my energy was very different and my results were really different. And then I mixed that with my technical skills on stage and screen. And I was like, I got something special. I could feel it. And I was a little unconventional and I liked it. (laughs) So, um, And then the other one, I'll just share it because these two, I feel like can help anyone no matter what. The other one is living ready. And you talked about nails and showing up and I do not start my day until I'm ready for the day. Mm -hmm. And even I've got all my uh, speaking students, we're taking them and locking them into an Airbnb for an intensive in the next, in the next couple of weeks. And every single day they're expected to be ready. They're supposed to be stage ready. They're not doing it in sweats and, and yoga pants. They're doing it stage ready because their results will be vastly different. And so those little tweaks, I've noticed that I, when I live ready, I am ready. And my opportunities are everywhere because I'm ready for it. So those two things have been really powerful. But so I started putting all this into place. And then that little nudge kept getting louder and louder of other people could really benefit from these ways in order to share their stories. And after speaking for numerous years, again, goes back to that Kuliana, I had to do it for myself first before I could train anybody else. I had to know that I knew it. I was practicing it. And so I felt like I was actually ready at the beginning of 2023. I opened up my doors for my speaker academy. 
My first group had a total blast. It was very much, we're going to figure this out as we go. I'm going to see exactly what they need. I'm going to build it as we go. And I realized it was part technical skills and it was also part ownership of their story. Them actually speaking it was like the final key to unlock that healing. And I realized that a lot of people, you know, there was a lot that that were maybe just embarking on healing and they weren't quite ready to share the story yet. And I said, okay, I'm going to be okay with me not being for them yet. But with the ones that have already started on that healing journey, they've already started developing themselves as the main character of that story. And now it's just to actually share it, but they don't really know where to start. And so that's literally where I come in. It's that cusp. And the first group, I had about seven people, um, four that really dove in, if I'm being honest, you know, as those early stages, you're like, I'll take anybody. We'll just make it happen. We're going to go for it. And, and then I realized who it really was for and who it really was not for. And I think there's a lot of power in that. And so when I opened the doors the second time, I got really, really clear of who it was not for. And I was fine with saying no to the wrong money. And there is power in that. For sure. Because then they'll show up. They really show up. They have. And they've shown up for each other. And they've just had the time of their life. So the Icon Speaker Academy, we, we have a total blast. Our very first lesson is always coming up with their iconic identity. It's their energy. And then we get to build on it from there. And they go through 12 weeks. And then I take them and I lock them in a room for three days. And um, and we we go through some really unconventional things. And, you know, one of the guys in it, he said the other day, he said, you know, Sarah, the coolest thing is, is I walk taller. I walk taller. And I just thought, dang, that's the coolest compliment I think I've ever received. You know what? Thank you for making a difference and sharing your message and living in your truth of who you are. And sometimes we look at these trials as they could be the worst thing that happened or the most incredible gift that we've ever been able to go through to be able to be on the other side and help others. And I often think of that. I take I would take it all over again just so I could feel the empathy, feel the love and like you like the, the excitement that comes out of you as you're speaking because you're living in your truth and who you are. And even as I created my SOAR in 2024 group this year, it's been fantastic. And I do group coaching with, with women. And I'm like, whoever comes in my circle, we're going to SOAR this year. And I I believe it. And those are the people that are showing up, like-minded women who want to. And, and men, they're welcome too. We've got some incredible speakers. So I want to say when we can live in our truth and when we can stand up straight and tall, We want to see others be able to do this that are listening to the podcast. And I think if each one of us could leave one tip for someone to be able to move forward in having more confidence or being able to communicate a little more, what would you share as one last thing? Well, I think it's probably a recap, honestly, of what we've we've talked about today. First and foremost is name that version of yourself, that, that Juliana living vertical self, right? That name it, name your iconic identity, use it as a true North, use it to live ready and get really clear on what is that Kuliana for me? What is that responsibility that I have in this world? And I like to think of it as that sum, right? That sum of 
of yes, our skills, our talents. I don't take it lightly that I, I not only am good on stage, but I love it. I love being on stage. I love having a microphone and I've got a message to share. I've got the message because the trauma happened. I've got the message because I went through the healing from the trauma that happened. So I'm not taking anything lightly that I've gone through and I'm using all of it to really, really understand what is my responsibility here in this world? What is my responsibility? And not my responsibility to my parents, not my responsibility to other people. Because if we go back to Kuleana over and over and again, it has to begin with me doing it for my own benefit first. And that is the only way that other people are going to benefit. Because if I try to do it for others first, you ever try to get health advice from the most unhealthy person in the room? You're like, "Mm, thanks, but no thanks. Exactly. Go to someone that's actually living it. That's beautiful. And I was trying to think what mine would be. I think for so long when I thought I was actually failing, you know, failure is just feedback. You know, I've looked at it now in a way to say, we're never failing if we keep trying. You know, we go back to that quote with Thomas Edison where he says, People said I fell 10,000 times, but I found 10,000 ways it didn't work until it did. And so I would say, if you feel like you failed, which we all have, if you feel like you're struggling to move forward, it's feedback that you can just keep going and try something new. And so I guess for me, gaining and losing 80 pounds five times, I was still learning. I was still growing. And I know now the tools that I don't have to go to that addiction of overeating to feel comfort and to fill the voids that there's other ways to get out that pain and, and to write and to journal and so many things I've learned along the way, but just remember that you can get up today. Today's a brand new day. The tools that she's given, the tools that I'm giving, we can all soar in 2024. It's a new year. There's new energy. I mean, we've got beautiful snow out. I mean, all of these incredible things that we get to look at as gratitudes instead of failures. And I think as we as we go into the gratitude space of what we do have and what we can create, it just shifts for us. So that's the advice I would leave today. I love that so much. And you know, something that that came through, maybe it's just a final thought that sometimes when you're in the darkness, gratitude almost feels too hard. Mm-hmm. Right? There are those days, and I get it. I've been there. There were many days where all I would think about was how to end my own life. Mm-hmm. Many days. And gratitude felt like a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I have to be grateful for? I couldn't even get there. And I started using the word appreciation. Mm-hmm. I can at least appreciate because appreciation means I don't even necessarily have to like it. I love this. Yeah. But it's my bad bridge word to get yourself there. So what would you appreciate? I appreciate that I'm alive. I appreciate what was that? Yeah. Well, I can appreciate that my my job, for instance, they held me on the payroll and paid me just enough to keep my PTO rolling in so that I could pay while I was in the hospital. Amazing. Or my biggest appreciation once I got home was the price is right. That was literally the only thing that would get me out of bed every day. Oh, I love that. It was on at like 11. I mean, I would sleep late. I didn't even want to get out of bed. I was like, there wasn't a TV in my room. So I had to get myself out of bed to go see prices right. And so I would have to get into my wheelchair. That one thing that I hated so bad was that wheelchair. 
but I had to at least get myself to the living room. So there's an appreciation in store. And I think that I think the bridge is the perfect way to describe that. The bridge on your way to actually finding the gratitude. Oh, this is amazing. And you know, I wasn't going to talk anymore, but I have a dear friend that went and did some humanitarian work with wheelchairs because she has a son in a wheelchair and he has such an incredible gift. And I felt like I'm supposed to leave with this because there were many people in Mexico that they didn't even have a wheelchair. They were stuck. And when they brought in these wheelchairs and she expressed to me the way they cried. And the first time that this young, I can't remember if he was 20. I mean, his eyes, it was like this freedom of getting into this wheelchair and this joy in the mother and the way they kissed and they celebrated. I mean, they, this was not only an appreciation that you, we get wheelchairs, right? And this was freedom that they had never seen his whole life. And I remember hearing that story and I just, I thought, wow, the little things we appreciate and we're grateful for, even at the time you hated it. You had one, right? Totally. Now I, not only freedom, I call this thing my magic carpet. It'll get me into any room. I can get best seats at concerts. I mean, I'm like, I'm going to use it. If it's if this is what I got, I'm going to use it to my biggest advantage. Oh, but at the beginning, I called it the Death Star. Now it is graduated to an actual magic carpet. Woo! So never know it. all the path you got to go through. Well, we are so grateful for what you've shared, all these beautiful tools. And we will put in the links how we can find you. And Sarah, thank you. Thank you for showing up as your best self and living your life as this beautiful vertical blonde and, and living on purpose. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. See you later, guys. And remember, we're creating confident communication, just one act at a time, one small appreciation at a time. If we can do this, we know you can.